This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody jump! 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 Ah, yes, yes, yes. A good, good uh, Wednesday morning. Happy hump day to one and all. It is Taz and the Moose with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage. It's with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. You've got Mike and Sam across the other side at the controls, bogish with your updates, and sitting in with me for the vacationing task as we take you for the next three hours right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on CBS Sports Radio, the toll-free line, 855-212-4227. Attention hotline fans. 2124CBS. That is your number to call. It is brought to you by our good friends over at Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. What's up, Bogus? How you doing, bud? Moose, it's good to see you again. Good morning. Looking fresh today? Yes, fresh as a daisy. How about yourself? All I'm right? okay. Good. I'm all right. Yeah, it's Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. You're right about that. It's a Wednesday morning. It's a hump day. It is a hump day. You're right. As we'll then steamroll uh, right toward the weekend, um, which uh, looking forward to that. And we got a great show on tap today as we'll be uh, joined by Rich Lerner a little bit later on in the program as we will be talking a little golf with him, the FedEx Cup, and certainly uh, talk a little Bills football uh, with Steve Tasker, uh, former Bills All-Pro, uh, doing radio up there in Buffalo. We'll chat with Steve a little later on in the program, kick it off the third and final hour. And we'll begin with football because the news out of Dallas, or I should say out of Oxnard, California, uh, via Cabo down in Mexico, is that uh, Cowboys star running back Ezekiel Elliott is uh, is willing to sit out the entire 2019 season unless he gets a new contract. The uh, August 6th date uh, has come and went. As we sit here on this Wednesday morning, it is August the 7th. So Ezekiel Elliott, that year, you know, the, that was the big date that you have on hand in order to accrue the year toward free agency, so that de- that deadline is coming, God. Now people have scoffed at the idea of that being a deadline if you get a brand-new spanking long-term contract. Uh, therefore, you know, who cares about free agency? And that's what Elliott's looking for. It's not like Ezekiel Elliott is looking to try and test free agency. Uh, he wants to get paid more or get more guaranteed money uh, coming his way than the, you know, $12.9 million that he's owed over the course of the next two years off of his initial rookie contract. So... Uh, you know, you thought maybe that a, a deal would be in place. Uh, you thought maybe that both sides would come to an agreement. Cowboys realizing how important as they continue to talk up uh, the rookie out of Memphis, Tony Pollard in camp. Uh, but no deal is done. And Elliott has dropped the hammer on the Cowboys saying that, well, if you don't give me a new deal, I'm not going to be playing football this year. And you know what they should say to that? Okay, great. Because okay. he's, it's, it, to me, it's not a hammer because he can't, he cannot sit out. Why can't he? Well, because it makes he would have to then sit out again next year. They control him for too long here. He can't. There's no benefit in sitting out this year for him. Sitting, missing an entire year, not getting the season accrued, not getting paid. It makes no sense. He can threaten it, and he can maybe miss a game or two. But he's got to show up. Melvin Gordon's got to show up too at some point for the Chargers 
but Zeke's got to show up. This is not Le'Veon Bell. This is not other holdouts. And it's not about, like, honoring his contract. It's simply about, like, the, the construct of the system. It would make no sense to sit out this entire season because then he had to do it again next year. It, that, that, it would solve nothing. He's got at some point, they're, they, they, and I, I still think they're going to find that happy medium around the girly contract, around Bell's contract, that everybody is is relatively happy. But that, to me, sitting saying I'm not going to play this year for an entire season without a new deal is is an empty threat because he's got to show up at some point. Well, I mean, you know, he he doesn't. I mean, he you know, he doesn't have to. I mean, he could conceivably sit out two years of football if he would like. Well, I mean, and that would be a ridiculous decision. Well, I mean, it, sure, he could he, do it, but he shouldn't. He, well, but he's not taking the hits. Maybe he lengthens out his career a little bit longer. Maybe he does that. I mean, I'm not telling you that I think that's going to happen or that's the smart move. But conceivably speaking, he could. You know, and and it is the hammer because the Cowboys aren't the same team without him. Right, but they can. But they can. So it's a matter of using your leverage, whether you feel yes. feel like it's a veiled threat or not. It's a matter of using as much leverage as you possibly can. And we all know the Cowboys' entire team is built around the running back. Of course, they need to pay him, which is why I think this will get done before we even find out how willing he is to miss multiple games. But if it gets to Week One and he's still not there, I mean, I at some point the Cowboys just keep staring straight ahead and go, okay. Don't don't come back. Stay away. Stay away. It's and we'll do this again next year. And it's going to suck for all of us because we will be absolutely different because we need you and you need us. But the idea. Well, he of doesn't him, need them. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott could be a star running back someplace else. Well, but they, they need him. Sure, but they then he needs them to get rid of him. Then well, no, he can't I, just I, walk away for three years. No, I, I well for two years. He's got two years till he hits free agency, right? Well, they or, could keep. They could. Well, then they, they could, could franchise, franchise him. him. I mean, right? I mean, and twice. And, but I mean, I think Ezekiel Elliott would probably take the fourteen or fifteen million dollars, or it might be sixty million at that stage uh, a year uh, in order to play running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think he would take that. He's going to scoff at the idea of making the what five point nine million dollars that he's due to make this year that he doesn't think it's nearly enough based on the production that he provides and the importance that he is to the team. And you know what? Honestly, for Zeke, he, he is not wrong. I mean, you're going to use as much leverage as you possibly can. Do I think it's a similar threat to the one that you saw last year and that one that was carried out by Le'Veon Bell? No, I don't think it's a similar threat. But I'd be a little bit concerned if I'm the Cowboys because I know how important he is to my team. I cannot win football games. I cannot be a playoff team. I cannot be a contender in the NFC East without Elliott running the football for my team. I just can't. I'm not going to be able to do it on the arm of Dak Prescott, uh, as inaccurate as he poss- as inaccurate as he is at, at times. I cannot do it with, with Dak and Amari Cooper signed to long-term deals. I need Zeke. They need Zeke, which is why they're going to get – I still think they're going to get this done. Uh, my confidence is not the same as Jerry Jones. It'll happen. It'll happen. It always does. Uh, but he's right in that it makes too much sense for all three of his guys to sign contracts, um, to get this done, to get locked in, to move forward and be a good football team and have a chance to win the NFCs, but also just to flat out get get their money. Um, you know, Dak's going to get more than he's worth. Cooper's going to get probably relative value. And, and Zeke may end up being paid Less than he thinks he should get paid, but he's still going to get a nice big fat check. Um, so uh, there's a lot of maneuvering, a lot of posturing here, Moose. As always, I mean, there's not, there's not, a, this is not a different negotiation than other teams. I, I just don't know that. You know, we're not. To me, I'm not nervous yet that this is going to get that ugly. I still think we're in the stage here of everybody just kind of flexing 
and staring and pointing fingers, and eventually they'll be smart and figure this out, and well, Zeke will show up and be fresh and later, go. I mean, the one thing is, you don't want to dig yourself a hole early on in the season, right? You don't want to get to a scenario where you're 0-2, and then all of a sudden you bow to the demands of Ezekiel Elliott, and you have to dig out of yourself out of the 0-2 hole. You don't want it to get to that scenario and that stage, because really, the you know, unless something happens here during the course of the preseason where the in, where the Cowboys get ravaged by injury at the running back spot, the next one, conceivably, uh, the next you know, kind of breaking point you would look at would be the start of the regular season, whether or not the Cowboys are winning or losing football games. Yeah, I, I mean s- that that would be it, right? I mean, then is I don't think I don't think Elliott's coming off of his demands. I mean, unless the Dallas Cowboys decide at one point in time, wake up on a Thursday or Friday morning in the very near future, one day during the week, whatever it might be, and say, oh, you know what, we're wrong. we got to go pay them. Um, it doesn't seem like they're coming off their demands. I mean, reportedly, according to Schefter and ESPN, they've made handsome contract offers to both, to all three of them, Cooper, uh, Prescott, and Elliott, where it's basically they'd be paid as the top five at their position, but that's not good enough for Ezekiel Elliott. And you know, I don't know. I mean, that should be good enough for Dak Prescott because I don't think he's a top five quarterback no. in the National Football League. And it should Football be good League. for Cooper as well. Yeah, and I don't think Amari Cooper is a top five wide receiver in the National Football League. For Elliott, though, um, his importance to the Cowboys does have to factor in here. And that's why I think the comparisons to say what, uh, you know, when Stephen Jones comes out and says, well, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell reset the running back market, I think that is complete utter nonsense because Le'Veon Bell, A, number one, is is older. Uh, number two is, uh, you know, he was not as, as – he was important, but his level of importance uh, was not near what Elliott's is to the Cowboys, what his was to the Steelers even as productive as he was because they had Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. And now all they have is Ben Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know that Le'Veon Bell reset the market moves, but he definitely confused it and he complicated it. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but the fact that he got less money than Todd Gurley in the open market, yes, coming off a year where he didn't play and he's older and he was further along in his career, but the fact that he didn't get to Gurley in particular in guaranteed money, 10 mil less guaranteed, it does give the Cowboys a different bullet in, in negotiations. They can't, it's, Elliot's got to get more than Bell. But now maybe he doesn't have to get as much as Gurley did because now they have, they've got at least a comparison point here to go back at him. For, so I, I do think that Bell's contract has to play a role in this. It doesn't negate Gurley's. It doesn't eliminate Gurley's number from the conversation, but it does set like the, the the bottom end of the spectrum here for this conversation, and it makes things a little bit more difficult. Which is why we are where we are, and which is why you know there are, it's a little more probable now that Elliott's holdout is a real holdout into the regular season. Um, but I but it's it's still to me it's solvable here that they're on schedule when they get to week one against the Giants. Here is Stephen Jones talking about that Le'Veon Bell contract. Take a listen. I still, uh, you know, think that's, you know, within realm. Uh, you know, um, at the same time, I think the market reset with Le'Veon. Uh, uh, you know, I think you see what happens with Gurley, uh, how tenuous it is. And then you get a great player like uh, Le'Veon, who's every bit as well thought of as uh, as Gurley, and he had unfettered free agency. He had 32 teams with no draft picks attached, mm. and the market was 13.5, and uh, less than Gurley. So, 
you know, at the end of the day, business changes. And uh, we certainly pay attention to that as well. Yeah, well, here is Jones talking about the contract offers to the big trio on offense. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask Zeke and his representation. I mean, our goals are to get deals done. Uh, our problem is we've got a distribution dilemma. And, uh, you know, it's our job to manage the cap, and we're trying to divide the pipe. It's a zero-sum game for us in terms of the money. The money's going out the door. It's just <laughs> who gets what. And uh, hmm. at the end of the day, that's, uh, you know, the best way to characterize it. It's a distribution dilemma, and we've got to figure it out. Well, I mean, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's the way you could characterize it in terms of how to split the pie up when he's looking at his big three players offensively and Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. You also have to factor in, you know, the importance to the, uh, uh, you know, the, the importance of the position that they play, the representation of the franchise. I mean, there's a lot of factors when you look at, you know, the, the Elliott contract, so to speak, and the Prescott contract and the Amari Cooper contract. And, Kind of buried in that initial cut was the the girly injury dealing with this arthritic condition in his right knee, and you know I saw Andrew Brandt say, uh, you know sent out um, you know a, a tweet last night, and Andrew does a great job in terms of he looks at the running back spot. He almost feels bad for running backs, young running backs in the National Football League because wrong. Um, in the prime you know earning potential is when they're probably in college, and then when they initially get to the NFL, they're under their initial rookie deal where based on production they're severely underpaid and then when their free agency does come then you get into words like usage and tread on the tire and how much life is left in their legs because of the way that they've been used early on in their career that they can't maximize their potential as players and you know he's not wrong about that um he isn't however i mean it is the way that it is um and there's not really much that's going to be able to change that at this stage especially when you want to get paid because if you want to get paid you want the stats and you want to be used it might be it might be the most complicated negotiation in the nfl right now not Elliott specifically, but elite running backs. And, you know, here in New York, who knows what's coming for the Giants and Saquon Barkley down the road. Um, you know, if Gurley's knee doesn't do whatever, this conversation today with Elliott is different. But for all the things that you just laid out through Andrew Brandt, I mean, figuring out how to pay a running back because the NFL just doesn't want to pay you. And then, you, you as Andrew laid out, you're, you should be getting paid the most when you're 21 in college and then you're can you're limited as a rookie in the NFL, then you finally have a chance to cash in when every other position finally goes, all right, here I go, pay me. And for the most part, you know, a left tackle moves, a pass rusher, a quarterback, you just keep adding on a little more to the previous guy, and you just keep resetting and making more and more and more. But here we are with running backs, and we're now thinking of all these different things holding against them, all these different numbers showing their problems, all these fourth-round picks who walk in off the street basically and produce as rookies. And all of these guys are getting screwed like this. This on one hand should be very easy because Ezekiel Elliott is that good and that important to them that this should have a couple of conversations, iron out some loose ends and some specific details and, you know, configuring the actual money and whatever to fit your salary cap space. But this shouldn't be that hard, but it is because of all the things that we just keep running into. And plus, you might have to mix in, 
the off-field stuff that Zeke has dealt with here has kind of you know changed the dynamic about him as well. well but still, it's just it makes it really, really hard to get to the finish line well, for that, anybody. Yeah, no, and and that's fair. Um, and it's a fair criticism. I mean, I, there's a lot of things that are working against Elliott. The girly arthritic condition in his knee, his behavior away from the football field, the amount of usage that he's taken early on in his career. Um, you know, those are the things that, that are working against uh, Elliott and the Cowboys. But the Dallas fan doesn't want to hear about it. Uh, you know, they don't They don't care. Uh, you know, Stephen Jones says the money's going out regardless. It depends on who is exactly getting the money. It's not like they can save the money. They're spending the money. Um, and if you care about winning, if, if Stephen Jones wants to get back to a Super Bowl and Jerry Jones want to get back to a Super Bowl and they want to win another Super Bowl, they're going to need Elliott running the football for their team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So if you're a Cowboy fan, you're frustrated. You want to think about football. You want to think about the opening week against the Giants. You want to think. You want to see the first preseason action this weekend. You want to see all that, and you want your star running back uh, back in the fold. That's what you want because you're not concerned about anything else. You're not concerned about what it's going to affect the team four or five years down the line because in the NFL it's about the here and now. And if you want to win, you got to get a deal done because you're not going to win without Elliott. No, you're not going to win. No, but then we're in this place now where they 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 can't write the dude a blank check. I mean, I'm not I, saying write a blank check. I'm not saying that, but there is a way to get a deal done. I, mean, I don't think Ezekiel is looking for quarterback money. No, I, but I he's looking. For, you know, if the if the number if Gurley's number is 45 mil guaranteed, does he want 48? Does well, he, he probably want 46? does. I'm sure he does. And now we're talking a lot of money. I know you're talking about a lot of money, but I mean the the Cowboys have have misspent money in the past, and I don't think this is a misspend. There there does come a point in time when you're grading out your roster where you look at guys as being more important than others. Do you not? Well, of course. I mean, and and Elliott is makes Dak Prescott a better quarterback, and Cooper makes him a better quarterback as well. Yeah, I understand that, but I mean, if you're looking for pure impact, who's a more important player? It's Elliott. Well, yes. I mean, that, that makes that offense go. I mean, it, it puts him in third and manageable situations where it's easier for Dak Prescott to be able to throw the football. And I get his fourth quarter stats over the past couple of years have been really, really impressive, but he's not, not the most accurate quarterback in the world. That's the thing that would frustrate me if you're a Cowboy fan is you're sitting here and saying, why can't you just, why you, you take care of other players, you go out, why does it need to be this with Elliott? And, you know, I, I, I think probably the the lack of trust that they have in the player and him not playing ball with the team, I think, has led us down the road. I think if Ezekiel Elliott was a cleaner personality away from the football field, I think we'd probably have a deal getting done. See, I you know, I, and I meant to ask when Jane Slater was on with us yesterday. I think you did bring it up at some point um, how personal this is in terms of what Zeke has already been through, what they're afraid of him. And I, it has to play into this, but I, but I do, just listening to everybody, I, I do still kind of feel, Moose, like this is more about just football and economics than it is about any kind of hang-ups they may have. I mean, and plus it's the Cowboys. They have, you trust Elliot? Well, it's not a, it's not about me trusting them. I just I well, don't no, trust I, the it, Cowboys. Well, I'm asking you your opinion. Do you trust? Would you trust Ezekiel Elliott? I and trust give him a long term contract extension. Um, yes, I would. You pay, would. I would. Is it, off the top of my head, if if we're using Bell on one end and Gurley on the other, Gurley's never gotten in trouble. Never been suspended. Right. Uh, you know, maybe on Bell got suspended for smoking weed. I would want to get myself if I'm the Cowboys like around. 
because getting I I kind of see their point in that girliest deal was almost too much. So if I get myself in around like 42 to maybe coming almost exactly the same to Gurley at 45 mil guaranteed, I'm okay there. I'm not going past Gurley's number. So yeah, I'm I'm paying Ezekiel Elliott. And the Cowboys are paying. The Cowboys don't care about these things. We've learned that between Greg Hardy and Ezekiel Elliott and other guys. They're not there. But people they, can also learn from their mistakes. The Hardy scenario not, was a disaster. Not, not them. I don't know about that. The Hardy scenario was an absolute Has, disaster. Randy Gregory's happened since since that, well, Randy right? Gregory, Randy Gregory's addicted to weed. Okay, but they I mean, but they, but not, they took him and they kept him and they well, so but that's that's a we're talking about apples and oranges comparison. You're talking about smoking marijuana to pay, to a basically an abusive individual. Well, no, 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 I'm not I'm not comparing sins. I'm comparing the fact that the Cowboys don't seem to be risk averse. In well, there's different committing levels, and but, picking but Andrew, guys. There's who, different levels of risk here. I we're, I, we're I agree. About, I mean, and, you know, people. There's some people that say you, you know there should be no suspension of the National Football League for smoking marijuana. I mean, you, and you I'm can make that and I'm one of them. So you look at you look at Randy Gregory, who they took the gamble of him, and he was an habitual steroid, uh, habitual weed smoker when he was at Nebraska, and they tried to provide him help, and he's not been able to to keep himself clean away from the football field. I think it's different when you compare Randy Gregory to, say, Ezekiel Elliott, who decides it's the good decision for him uh, to pull a woman's top down at a St. Patrick's Day parade in 2017. Not to not to minimize. Again, I mean, I, my that's... point was not to compare evils here. My point is that they are okay with getting in any in, – for any reason, a guy that could take himself off the field – they're okay with putting that guy on their roster. They're, they have never been, whether it's Pac-Man Jones or anybody else going all the way back through the Jerry Jones tenure, they give guys second chances, third chances, fourth chances. They, they, they don't seem to be worried about making any commitment to any player that has an increased uh, risk of taking himself off the field for whatever that reason may be, good, bad, evil, drugs, whatever. A guy I that mean, has any kind of baggage, they're not afraid of it. What kind of commitment did they say, besides making him a second-round draft choice, what kind of commitment did they make to Gregory? Did how they give long, him a how, huge financial package? How long has he been on their roster? How about Greg Hardy? They celebrated adding Greg Hardy. And what happened after a year? I don't care that they got rid of him. They, got they rid of celebrated him. They signing did. Greg Hardy. Well, I understand that they did, and they learned from that mistake, and it was an absolute disastrous signing. If you don't, if you think Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones don't sit there and say, "Well, you know, Elliot's behavior does not factor into the contract," I think that's nonsense. When you, I don't think it's, at, I don't think it's the driving him, force in I'm this. I'm not saying it's the driving force. I'm talking about a factor. If you're looking at forty-two, forty-three million dollars that you're going to commit to a guy that's guaranteed money, and you're not looking at his behavior, even the nonsense that happened in May out in Vegas where he decides is, and it looked like he was intoxicated. It did not look like he was, uh, with you know, 100% himself. You know, after a concert with his girlfriend, decides to walk up to a security guard and nudge that person down. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just that moronic type of behavior. That's got to be concerning. If I'm a team, I, if I'm going to invest that kind of money. I want to make sure that that guy is going to be able to earn that that guy's going to be on the field, and I'm not going to have to deal with this nonsense away from that field. And I think there's always that fear with Elliott because yeah. I don't think he's, 
I really don't think he's matured in any way, shape, or form probably since uh, his junior year in high school. Yet here we are, and they are wholly prepared to make an even longer commitment to him. And but they're not in- willing to give him the contract he's looking for for a reason. Well, right, because of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, they've already. Stephen Jones is on the record, and he's and he's, and he's had to backtrack. And at least he hasn't told us that he didn't say what he said. But he at one point said that Gurley's number was the starting point for Elliott. And now we've got the bell thing, and, and and maybe that's cover for them rethinking things. I don't know, but if 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 Le'Veon Bell doesn't, if if Le'Veon Bell never exists, and the only contract that's comparable right now for Ezekiel Elliott is Todd Gurley's, the Cowboys themselves said that Gurley's contract yeah, was mean, a fair comparison. Right. So that, they, that, that doesn't Jones sound like the they're that they care. Guys in the in dealing with the media either, and what they have to throw out there. But I I agree with you. They, they, he did say it at the time, but he's also walked back that conversation too. I mean, you look at the Gurley injury, you look at the Gurley contract, Le'Veon Bell resetting the market, and the Ezekiel Elliott's personality. Those are all the things that are working against Elliott. I said it weeks ago, I think if Elliott played ball here and showed up at camp and was working with the first-team offense for the Dallas Cowboys, I think he's going to get that contract sooner doing that than what he's doing right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know because once he he's would. there, what are you gonna, what's he going to do? I, I understand, I, but I think they need to see him personality-wise, grow up and mature a little bit. I do think that's a factor. They're not going to come out and tell you. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys never going to come out and and tell Jane Slater, listen, we're concerned about Elliott's behavior away from the field. They're never going to do that. I mean, that's something that you you don't bring to the negotiating table. And it's also something, well, you might be behind closed doors, but it's not something that you bring to out there and throw out there for public consumption. But I think it's a factor. I think there are a number of things that are factoring in. I think if Elliott played ball, I think he'd get his contract sooner than he's going to get it right now. Yeah, then he had no leverage, though. I Once he shows up, he gives up his leverage. I get it. I get it. Let me ask you this. Is Prescott there? But quarterbacks never hold out. Well, that's not true. I mean, what, was the, what was the last quarterback holdout? What was the last quarterback that held out? I mean, the... Um... I, I I mean I, I, unless I'm forgetting one I I don't know of one in recent memory I mean partly because guys usually get paid before it even comes into play well, but they I usually don't do. but I don't think there's been a quarterback holdout in a while well in a while there probably hasn't been but I mean to say that it can't happen I mean I think I think they're more comfortable with Prescott because he's a cleaner player away from the field they don't have any issue with it. Well, and they and they think that he's good enough for to be their guy for the next what, right. however many years, five to eight years. Right. So they're going to pay him. And his his negotiation, my my thought would be, and again from the outside, as one well, as Stephen Jones said in that cut we played. Well, then why they're all that, they're all connected. Well, then why do quarterbacks not need the leverage, but running backs do? Because quarterbacks have the leverage by being a quarterback, well, by being who's okay, more then, important then, to the team. Right. That's my point. They have they their leverage begins with being the quarterback. And they just say, listen. But not in this situation, because the most important player is Elliott. Well, he, but Prescott plays the more important position. And their other option is, I don't even know who anymore, because all the former you know, backup quarterbacks are now assistant coaches in Dallas. Yeah, but so I, that's, I don't. So that's his, his leverage is, I'm your starter. You're going to get, you're going to no, replace me. Starter, not, so but the most so, important player on the offense is Elliott. Right. There's not, but it's not even close. It's not even close. Elliot Press- is by far. He's probably their. He might be their best player. Period. Right. I mean, so I I don't disagree with you in essence that the quarterback has the leverage because it's inherent with the position that he plays. But if you look at the importance of the player, it's Ezekiel Elliott uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, and he's using that leverage now because he knows they're not going anywhere 
on the right arm of Dak Prescott. Right, and this is why he sh- stays away now to put the pressure on them to show them what life without him is like. Once, once he shows up, then they have the upper hand. As long as he stays away right now, he's in control. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if you are the most important player and you have the leverage there, and you can roll it, Sammy. If you have the roll, if you have the leverage there with the Cowboys' offense, uh, the very fact is is that it should work this similar in nature to what you see with the quarterback position in other places in the National Football League. Because the Cowboys aren't winning; they're not going to the postseason without Elliott. They're just not. Um, well, I mean, they're not going without Prescott either. Uh, but the, you have to start with the most important guy too. I mean, I'd be more. I'll tell you this. The Cowboys would win more football games, if you had to ask me, with Elliott running the football than Prescott throwing it. They'd win more. Yeah, but if the comparison is six wins to five, then who really cares? Well, but if you're asking me who's going to win more, and I, so I, I would, I'd throw up, I'd give me the you know, backup quarterback worse. in Elliott, I'd, I'm going to win more football games than with Prescott and Tony Pollard. I will do that. <laughs> Support for Taz of the Moose comes from Manscaped. Number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, uh, it's a fantastic product. No question about it. Uh, takes care of uh, all your manscaping needs. Uh, keeps you fresh as a daisy as well. Fresh, clean, and freshly uh, clean shaven. That's why Manscaped was redesigned and has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag. Manscaping... Accidents are funnily a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use down below there. That's just nasty and gross. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put it in the put the deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code TAZ, T-A-Z, at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TAZ, T-A-Z, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code TAZ, T-A-Z. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, time right now to ask the pros. Were you the listener? Get to ask us a question brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbssportsradio.com slash pros. Submit your question and be listening later on the show. We might answer your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Can guarantee low prices, excellent customer service. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every single day. Taz and the Moose, Andrew in for the vacationing task. Mark Belusis with you till 9 a.m. Eastern time we go. We'll talk a little golf. Rich Lerner will join us a little later on the program and talk a little Bills football with Steve Tasker, uh, top of the third and final hour. So looking uh, forward to that conversation. Andrew is sitting in with me. Also has got updates throughout the course of the morning. What's going on, bud? Moose, not every team can play that easy Mets schedule. Some have to venture into the hell. the baseball second mm. half. Some have to venture into the hellscape known as Camden Yards. It is where good teams go to die. Yeah. So I guess the Yankees are a great team. Swung on and drilled to deep center. That ball is high. That is far. That is gone over the center field fence. DJ LeMayhu. David John makes long gone. He homers to dead center. And Tachman and LeMayhu go back to back. 
Welcome to belly to belly. And the Yankees have a 2-0 lead. John Sterling on Yankees Radio. Those Yanks muscled up four more times to get the ball out of cavernous Camden, eventually winning 9-4. The Bombers have taken seven in a row overall, 14 straight in Baltimore. But here's the bad news. Glaber Torres again leaving early with, quote, core pain. He's going back to New York for further testing. Those Mets blank the Marlins 5-zip are now 18-6 and six since the All-Star break. The Rays top the Blue Jays 7-6-10 to remain a half game ahead of the A's for the second AL wildcard. Oakland dumped the Cubs at Wrigley 11-4. Dustin Garneau and Steven Piscotty, three-run homers off John Lester. The Dodgers top the Cardinals 3-1. The Nats 5, the Giants 3, and Milwaukee 1 in Pittsburgh 4-3. Seattle's Tim Beckham suspended 80 games for testing positive for Stanisolol, and the Giants have released second baseman Joe Panic. Ezekiel Elliott's Cowboys dealing with a broken left hand for defensive end Robert Quinn. He appeared to be hurt in pass rushing drills at training camp yesterday. Quinn returning to Dallas for surgery, but is expected to be ready for week one. Niners running back Jarek McKinnon activated off the PUP list yesterday. He missed his first season in San Francisco with a torn ACL. The NCAA is setting new requirements for agents who want to advise players testing their NBA draft stock. Those agents must have a college degree, be certified with the NBPA for three consecutive years, and pass an in-person exam at NCAA headquarters. And finally, Udonis Haslam returning to the Heat for a 17th season. Moose? Yeah, thank you, Andrew. You know, about the new rules for certification for agents um, for the NBA, which you touched upon at the end there. Uh, so college degree, right? Have to be with the have to be three years certified, right? Correct. Three consecutive years. Three consecutive years certified. And then what's the third rule you mentioned? Uh, well, you also have to have liability insurance. And then we have all those things in uh, in line. You get to go to NCAA headquarters and take an in-person exam. Yeah, I, I, I mean, oh, and you have to agree to testify to the NCAA about possible rules violations. Well, what is okay? So, what's the problem with that? Is there any? Do you have any issue with that? Uh, yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't why you have to have a college degree makes no sense to me. I don't see why that's a requirement for somebody. Who, a college a college degree doesn't make you a good agent. No, I get that, um, and that's fair. I mean, you think this is the, as someone said, the the anti-rich poll well, uh, maneuvers? I mean, it's it's not above the NCAA to be spiteful, and Rich Paul has angered people within the NCAA itself, uh, college basketball head coaches, Jim Beheim most notably. Um, it, it seems like an odd thing to include here because we're not in this run of, like, ignorant, stupid unprepared agents negotiating crappy contracts for NBA players who are now going where, you know, how did I get into this mess? Where's all my money? Like a college degree doesn't, it's nice. It's great. It's important in theory, but it doesn't guarantee that you know how to do your job. Well, so, no, it, it doesn't, uh, but you also, you're trying to create kind of a, um, a minimal, uh, you know, education level for agents that are going to be communicating with college students. Correct. I mean, well, that, I mean, again, I mean, is there is there a problem? You know, not I to dismiss the importance of college, right? I mean, but well, like, I don't see why there's a problem where you want guys to be. You know, you, listen, you have to. There's certain. I can't be. A, I can't walk into and walk into a courtroom and be a lawyer. Well, no, because you have to go to law school. Well, correct. I have to get a first. I have to get a four year degree. Correct. And then uh, I have to go to law school. Sure. Right. I mean, I can't do that, so I, I I can't all of a sudden walk into a hospital and say, you know, I want to do open-heart surgery. 
No, but that's not what we're talking about here. No, no, but they create, there's requirements of education in order to go yeah. out and do the job. But, like, that makes sense. Like, you should have nonstop training as a doctor to make sure your skills and your knowledge are up to date. Right. And so going to law they, school so you learn the law is fine. I understand, but there have also, there have so been. Like my Eng- so if I had an English degree from Dartmouth, that makes me a good agent? No, no, I'm not saying, hey, listen, based on what you do, your education is just uh, helps open the door. It doesn't mean you're going to be particularly good at any job you do. I mean, it might, exactly. you know, whether, but you do have that education to lean back on. For what? What do you mean for what? To we, get a job. Right, but Rich Paul already has a job. Like, no, these I, guys who are agents, they have a job. Well, and but, but be- it doesn't mean that, well, but it also doesn't mean that all those guys aren't taking advantage, there aren't other guys that have taken advantage of the situation as well. I mean, people have talked about, and I'm not, I'm not against Rich Paul, who's done a lot of great work, but there also been a lot of other guys and street agents that have done and taken advantage of young kids and have not led them down the right path either. I mean, right. there there have been those guys, and maybe but you're that's looking, also my point. You can't maybe you're you looking can't to legis- try and weed the, some of those guys out. This is the problem from my vantage point with all of these different ideas for NBA draft restrictions, age, going to college, whoever it may be. You cannot legislate away bad advice, and we're talking here about guys who are going to actually, technically, officially represent these players in their conversations with teams as they figure out whether or not they're going to stay in the NBA draft. Correct. The presence of one of those guys is not going to eliminate a guy you know from AAU, from the neighborhood, somebody else's dad, that's going to give you bad information that that might be the person that you actually listen to here. That person is always going to exist, and these rules are not going to well, are not going to affect well, I don't that know person. About that. I, I think I don't I don't think you can I don't think you can paint that entire situation with one broad stroke. I, I, don't, I don't think you can say that every guy is all of a sudden going to listen to his you know his AAU brethren and not listen to the agent uh, that's representative. I don't know if you can do that. Uh, there will be you can't prevent stupidity. Exactly, uh, I, I, exactly but, my point. But though. what I can do is I could weed out the stupid. But you're, but you're and not. And I can though. weed. Uh, well, I, I, in essence, I'm trying to. But, but you're. But it's a put, fruitful endeavor. Well, a fruitless tr- endeavor. Well, how do you me. know? You can't say it's fruitless until you try it. If you, if you create a protocol of what you need to do, what's the minimal amount of education you need to have in order to be an agent? Why is that a bad thing? Why why is it a necessarily a bad thing to say this is what in order to be an agent in the NBA and represent these young athletes and and be well, one but of first these of all, guys, it's not it's not an NBA rule. This well, is now this is the NCAA's no, rule. No, I, I get it, but why can't why is it a bad thing? It's not a bad thing to try and fix the system. I just want you to do things that fix the system. You want to take tell them that they need to take a different test so they understand all the rules so they don't accidentally break an NCAA rule and screw this kid up. Fine by me. You want to make them go to like a three-day seminar somewhere so they learn all these things? I'm okay with that too. The arbitrary decision that you need a college degree, not even saying, like I, if they would say you need a law degree or some kind of like, you know, you need to, some training in contract language and negotiation and labor law, that would make more sense than just saying you have to have a college degree because I could go get a college degree and still be an idiot or still be a bad dude. I, I'm and not the saying that, that, but I also, but I, I'm not telling you that every person that's, uh, that graduates from college is a good guy or a good woman. Or They're smart. Not. Oh, I'm, I'm not, t- but I also am making it more difficult for you to get in. Well, only a little bit because we're well, not, again, no, we're not. I am. No, but, I mean, but, by, but what you're doing, Babush, I, I think you're talking as if this is an NBA rule limiting no, who can not, be an agent. I'm All this talk, is is I'm the not, NCAA saying you can't talk to an under, I, you can't go to an underclassman. I know, I know what the rule is. I understand, but I'm I'm talking about the very fact of I'm making. The, am I not making the path a little bit more difficult? A little bit more arduous. 
There's I'm, no argument against that. There, yeah, there is if you're doing it in the wrong way. Like, Because the problem that you're trying to get rid of is not going to go away with this. You're 100% certain. Not to the extent that would not not enough. It's not going to do enough. So you know they you well no 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 I don't. You just I said it's no no. Hold on a second. In in the span of thirty seconds, you said the problem will not go away. It and will then not you said go it's away. Not going, you're not doing enough. If if maybe you take if the problem here, Moose, the guys that are giving these players bad advice in the instance that they get bad advice, those guys are not always their official representation. They're just people uh, who have this kid the kid's ear. That tell them to go I get it, but into if the I, draft, if and that's I not going to apply and, to these guys. But if I guys. try and change that path, if I try and change the decision makers, the guys that are given that advice from an NCAA perspective, aren't I then trying to institute some sort of change? But you're not addressing those guys with this. Well, but that does not. But I'm not telling you all those guys are addressed with this. But I am creating a little bit more of a difficult path. The NCAA is by creating this. By making sure that you have to go to four years of college, that you have to, you know, have this in-person interview. I'm doing all that. To me, now, you know, maybe there's a workaround. I mean, maybe there's a way that guys can work around all these new rules that are set in place by the NCAA. But I don't, I don't, everyone's talking about, well, it's, I mean, what are they doing? Well, nobody likes change. I get it. And it's not going to prevent all the morons uh, and, and all the stupid decisions out there. But if I can minimize, if, if I can take twenty percent of the decisions, the bad decisions that are made, and take those out, and then work on the other eighty percent with another rule, is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. Is that, it's it, not a good thing either. Well, wait a second. If I if I help out young college athletes and prevent them from twenty percent, if you, if you give me twenty percent, not a hundred percent. But it's a twenty percent change. That's not a bad. That's a bad thing. I, I I think this is another empty act by the NCAA. So it has no impact whatsoever. It has a minimal impact, if anything, if any, it's minimal. So it, so you think that so forcing guys to to be able the NCAA rule forcing guys to have make sure you have an education. That's a that's a that's a bad thing. I, I education's not a bad thing. I just want to no, know. Education is not a bad thing. No, Using so education as an arbitrary requirement is a bad thing. Really? It's a useless thing. Yes. Really? Moose, Moose, we work with people who went to four years of college that are dumb as nails. But you know the most, so it means nothing. Worked, Getting I've a degree worked. means nothing it, in this instance. It doesn't, it doesn't make you a better agent it, it, if I have an economics degree or an English degree or a history degree. You know? Because it doesn't. Well, it, it just doesn't. Wait a second. If I go to college and there are certain requirements for jobs in our society where you have to go to college. College. Yeah, and that's you know what. And again, Moose, you and I are sitting here, right? I can't, we, I can't go walk in. I can't go walk into a financial institution and and say, you know what? I or walk down on Wall Street and go on walk on the on the on the stock exchange and be like, you know, what? I would sell some stocks. Uh, if you could prove, if you I pass your I'm series, I'm not gonna be able to do that. If you pass your series seven, I gotta pass tests. Yeah, pass your right, se- education. Right, pass your series education. Pass your series seven. It's not a hey. bad thing. Pass your Series 7. Education. Can I finish my point? Yes. Taz, pass your Series 7, which makes you informed and educated on your job. And get your education. Dude, just keep yelling education. That's smart. Well, you no, must have went to college. I did go to college. Yeah. I, would, I did. Syracuse. Now you went to Fordham. Yes, and, I was trying, and I've been trying to tell you, but you keep yelling education, that my, me going to Fordham, working at the radio station, is why I've been able to have the career I have.
getting getting going to history class and learning Spanish for three years has no, almost nothing to do with me being well, me sitting but, here. And that degree, but I didn't tell you to take the classes you took, has nothing to do with whether I could be an agent gonna, or not you right now. Chose different classes to take, not, not core classes. Well, I mean, honestly, well, no, I had core classes you need. The to point take. is, a degree does not guarantee anything. So I'm why not are you saying that one has nothing to do with the other? You are. You're saying it's going to fix problems. I'm not saying you're giving me 20 percent of the issues. If it resolves 20% of the issues, I'll take it. You can take it. Everyone loves to complain, but when the NCAA tries to institute change, everyone's like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't do that. Change for the sake of change. What do you mean? Hold on a second. You actually want the guys communicating with college players to be educated? What are we, serious now? I mean, education means nothing in our society. Get lost. Taz Moose, CBS Sports Radio. Give Taz and the Moose a call, 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right. On this Wednesday morning, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you. Let's head out to uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's George at CBS Sports Radio. What's up, George? George, morning, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. How are you? And I think we lost George. I think George dropped off. Let's try San Diego. Scott, what's up, Scott? Hi, uh, this is uh, Scott. I, I'm, I was listening to the points Andrew was making, and he's spot on. If this goes to court, it'll come down to job analysis, and they'll look at the knowledge, skills, and abilities requisite for that position. And there's no way you'll be able to tie a general college degree to the necessary requisite skills. Um, if you had a degree that specialized in that, yes, but it'll never hold up in court otherwise. Andrew's spot on. So I didn't even get that the, far down the road, but thank you. Court of law, but you don't think it weeds any any of the uh, any of the I would say undesirables out of the agent game. But that's not even relevant because the bottom line is whether those KSAs, those knowledge, skills, and abilities are needed. And and specifically, you'll have to demonstrate how a general education does that, and, and it won't hold up. I come from a family of lawyers and judges, and it, it won't hold up. In, in labor law, it'll come down to demonstrating the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are needed for that position. And there's no way you'll be able to do that with, as Andrew eloquently said, with a degree in English or something else that's completely unrelated. Well, I it's mean, like, it's it's not just that, though. I mean, there's there's the degree, and then there's other parameters that they need to meet as well. I mean, so it's not just the degree. Taz of the Moose on a Wednesday morning, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.